This one's for the culture. Me and wifey in the room thinking of a master plan Thinking how we can influence the culture from where we stand Knowing that our steps are ordered by the master's hand Still ten toes down, we ain't switching up the stance The mission of this music ain't just to make them dance And welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of The Bond Chronicles I am your host, Mr. Bond Chronicles on Instagram And you got the rest of that at the bottom of the screen And I'm blessed to be here with my host Mrs. Bond Chronicles on Instagram Robin Bond on Facebook, Miss Opinionated on Twitter. I finally fixed it. I think I said that already, though. You did, but it's okay. Um, And we are the Bond Chronicles. Make sure to continue to like, share, and subscribe on our YouTube. Uh, Those numbers are continuing to grow and climb, so we love our YouTube community. Facebook group, uh, definitely search for us there. Uh, We accept any and all, those who love us and those who hate us, um, <laughs> always open to a friendly, uh, respectable conversation if need be. And after today's episode, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, to those of you who tune in. Uh, so thank you again for, for joining us. This is a, a fun time in our lives, a lot of things going on, but the world has been worlding. Uh, it seemingly has not stopped. I don't know if it's the fact that COVID happened, and so we have a greater awareness of what's going on in the world, or if the world's always just been super crazy and we just didn't realize it. No, the world's definitely always been crazy. Yeah. Like, okay. always. Um, it's just, you see it more. Social media, paparazzi people, stalkers, you know. Yeah. You just see it more. We do. Uh, but we do want to start. Uh, we are obviously black people. Um, black, so- black, black, black. So it is Black History Month uh, for some Black oh, it's for everybody. What do you mean for some? So <laughs> it is Black History Month for some, Black Future Month for others. Mm. So we will get into that here in a minute as the great EA has redefined what this month should be. And uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, for those of you who would like to contribute, we do have that. We'll have that at the bottom of the screen as well. We are continuing to grow and do bigger and better things. So thank you for those of you who have been supporting us in that. Uh, Support Black business. Um, With that being said, you seem to align with the Black History Month ideal, which is perfectly fine. Um, But there is the idea of the Black Future Month. And I'll give a brief scenario of both. Obviously, everybody knows the Black History Month is and supposed to be. Um, Black Future Month is more so of not focusing so much on what has been, but focusing on what Black people can do and should do in the future and working to create those opportunities and celebrating that. So with that being said, how should we celebrate the month of February? I mean, maybe it's just the way that it sounds, Black Future Month. To me, that doesn't sound, it doesn't sound as good as Black History Month. So if they want to, I don't know, you'll have to think of a different wording for that. Um, personally, I don't mind celebrating Black History Month. I think a lot of times, too often, that it's forgotten the contributions that Black people have made to this country. Realistically, when you break it down, this country was built on the backs of Black people. Um, so I think that definitely deserves to be acknowledged, especially when you're thinking about the education system and how, I mean, even talking to Courtney, 
like we ask her about certain people, certain points in history, and she's in the fourth grade now. And I remember what history was like when we were in school with the whole, what is it? Um, not ban on teaching critical race theory. We had that then? No, I'm saying now oh, with oh, the oh. whole ban of um, mm, teaching okay, critical yeah. race theory, the way that they're whitewashing history as right. though black folks didn't do anything except come here and work. <laughs> like, I don't like that. And I think it's super important, especially in black households that we teach our kids like, yes, we were slaves, but this is all the other stuff that we did. And if you really want to teach them even more, when they took us from Africa, they didn't just take slaves. They took doctors. They took, you know, scientists. They took mathematicians. They took kings and queens. Like, our history did not start with slavery. And so I think it's super important to teach that to our kids because our education system is not going to. There's, I don't think, a lot of celebration of real Black culture outside of like music contributions and fashion contributions that we make that, yeah, that's really dope and everything, but let's not forget, America wouldn't have been America without Black people. So for me, I still think it's important for it to be a historical lesson too. So what you said, I, I, I agree with what you said. I think the concern that I have is you painted a picture of black, what Black History Month should be, but I don't think that is what it is. Mm. So for me, Black History Month is we saw Bath and Body Works, or I don't want to get the company I mean, wrong. Like, every it company. Was either, I think it was Bath and Body Works, not Bed Bath and Beyond. So Bath and Body Works came out with these like Kunta Kinte styled, and I'll try and find the picture for you. Um, it's the same exact hand soap, but so it's just dressed kente in kente cloth because it's Black History Month. Mm -hmm. and, that's go the go-to for every company. If you look at all the emails that get sent out, all the advertising, all of that, it's like, make it look super Black. It's still the same product, still produced by the same company, but let's make it look super Black. So black people will support our company because we look like we support black people. That that's my point. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't like that. I but, agree with you. But I feel like that is what Black History Month has become. It's not a celebration of black people. We celebrate the same black people every year. We mm -hmm. celebrate Martin Luther King, and we don't tell his full story. We don't celebrate Malcolm X. We don't tell his story. We don't celebrate Fred Hampton. We don't celebrate his story. We don't celebrate the Black Panthers and what they initially stood for and that story. We don't even talk about gangs and how gangs originally started and their impact. We don't talk about Black history and Black History Month other than the same recycled people. Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, and Martin Luther King. You might get Frederick Douglass. You got, might get Mary McLeod Bethune, some McLeod random McLeod Bethune, <laughs> um, George Washington Carver. They've yeah. been talking about the same 10 black people probably since the inception of unsegregated schools. <laughs> and well, no, like since the inception of Black History Month, because okay. whenever that happened, we've had the same 10. No, no, I agree. And, and we've run them into the ground as if since then, since the colors, black. since the pictures were in black and white, we haven't had a significant black advancement. Robert F. Smith, I haven't heard literally anything about him. He's a billionaire. He started a huge organization and franchise that 
penetrated a market that was unforeseen, doesn't get talked about. Uh, there's a ton of Michael Jordan, even what he's accomplished outside of just basketball. He's done significant stuff outside of basketball. There In, would be no Nike. <laughs> correct. Without Michael Jordan. Like Serena Williams, outside of off of tennis, we don't really talk about her. There are so many modern people that are not talked about. And then even the people of the past that are continually spoken over or left behind or viewed in a certain light, we haven't fixed any of it. So my issue with Black History Month is that it's just a cliche. It has no significance. It's something that we do every year because people can benefit monetarily and black people don't benefit. I just watched a video of a no-knock warrant in Minneapolis mm -hmm. and they shot a young man dead. Yeah. How many black history months have we had and we are still dealing with this in black history month? So for me, I'm kind of over it, similar to Juneteenth, similar to hip hop month, which came and went. And I don't know what the heck happened at Hip Hop Month. I think it was November. I don't under. I didn't understand. Like, and and, I, and that's our my issue with our government. We're asking for, you know, let's get the George Floyd bill passed. Let's get the Emmett Till bill passed. Let's do all these other things that mm -hmm. Black people would really actually appreciate. But no, we got Juneteenth, and we got Hip Hop Appreciation Month. Like, I appreciate hip-hop every day. Like, I listen to mad hip-hop. I listen to so much music. I don't care about hip-hop appreciation Even month. in that, there's hip-hop appreciation month, but the only genre of music where your lyrics can be used against you in the court of law it's is hip-hop. Hip so you have this law, which Jay-Z and someone else, uh, I want to say it might be Diddy, is fighting against to get repealed. It's a few people, but it's uh, Jay-Z, I think, the article I read was Jay-Z and Meek Mill. Okay, that could be true. So y'all can fact check me on that. I know Jay-Z was one of the ones that's behind it, but and Meek Mill would make sense given mm -hmm. his, history. his history. But you have this month, but you conversely have a law that specifically targets the very month you're celebrating and the people that work in it. So it's just, it's, it's, it's hollow for me. It's insignificant for me. And I'm just over it. Like, I don't get any reparations during Black History Month. I get nothing out of Black History Month. Absolutely nothing about my life is better. If anything, I'm just constantly reminded of the pitiful beginning and the racist beginning of this country and how we got here. Um, and I'm just over it. And I believe that is what Jay was the first person I've heard talk about it. I believe that's his thought process is we are so stuck on what we were. We can't move forward to what we can become and really impact change because all we recognize and reconcile with is every Black History Month, we see this perspective. And I don't think it's it's not working. It hasn't changed anything. We've had a Black president. We've had a very, uh, what's the word? Not, this, what's the opposite of discrimination? Like a very wide, inclusive, inclusive I guess, Congress in the last four years. Oh, yeah. We've seen a bunch of new people from a bunch of different backgrounds and different genders um, getting roles, and we got nothing to show for it. Uh, we got a black vice president, never hear from her, don't really see anything. Like, no, 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 I don't want to hear that, because when she had the hot sauce in the Thames, we loved her. I did not like, I've never I said we, like, not oh, you, I was say, not I've we, not really cared for Kamala, but Kamala. The, the masses, and when she had the look on her face, when I forget, whatever interview oh, or something, the said something. The God thing. like, yeah. 
it's clown showish at this point. I agree. And so I'm over the idea of just here's my and for what is what I was out earlier today. I didn't really see anything actually. Now that <laughs> I think about it, now the stores I went in weren't salesy stores, but I think the world is kind of like we don't care because y'all don't care and we don't care for a reason. Um, but I think that's a big being a business owner last year and this year, I think it's definitely changed my perspective. Like last year, I didn't do a whole bunch of advertising towards, you know, black business, you know, black consumers um, during Black History Month. One, because I literally just started the business. Um, this year, I think, like I said, my aggravation is I am a black business and I'm a small black business. If you know, I'm advertising towards people who I think are my target customer, it's like, yeah, I am, but so are the 50,000, you know, thousands of other businesses that are placating to the fact that it's Black History Month. And it, it kind of irks me. And so it's like, I know I'm possibly missing the opportunity to gain new consumers, but at the same time, I don't, I don't like, I just don't like how it feels. Like, I get if that makes sense. Like I want black people to shop with me because they support my brand, period. Mm-hmm. Um, not just during Black History Month. Um, mm, it's just weird. And like I said, I don't like all of the advertising. Like, there's so many other ways for businesses to show that they're down for the cause with the black folks. Um, like put your money where your mouth is, like donate it to their uh, hundreds of um, nonprofits that deal with black folk issues. Give your money to them. Um, is, you know, just yeah. irritating. Um, so I did want to quote, and this is from the source, uh, specifically about the idea or concept of black future months. I can be more clear in its meaning. So according to Ye, um, black future month is a replacement celebrating those who are creating platforms and successes for tomorrow. Yay is educating the Black community about power, raising awareness about the importance of the Black currency, and developing communities in the hood in commemoration of Black Future Month. This month is the first month of the rest of our lives. So the other part that I think is important here is he added, Black Future Month is more than a moment, it's a movement. And for me, I believe Black History Month has become a moment. It's just something we do. And then after March 1st, we don't care about Black people anymore. We really didn't care about them in February either, but we tried to maximize our dollars and our marketing towards those people. And so to his point, which I agree with, there are a ton of creators in today's world that we looked at what Drink Champs has done. We look at what Diddy has done. We look at um, a collection of other people. Um, what was the lady that I almost said her name that basically won the election in Georgia? Um, oh, Stacey. Um, Stacey Abrams. Abrams. Like there are people like that that should be getting highlighted in these times that aren't. Uh, and maybe in 20 years, there'll be a, a footnote somewhere as they continue to try and take black stuff out of our education system. But there are a lot of black women and black men that are doing really great things in the world. And it's not being talked about. It's not being celebrated. It's not being highlighted so that the next generation can see, hey, the rapper drug dealer athlete is not the only way. 
Like there are current doctors there and we see it sometimes at HBCUs and how that's being redefined from an education standpoint, because when I was coming up, that was a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. That was an easy way out. It was a a lesser education opportunity for what the real world looked like, because going to a school that was nothing but black people does not set you up for a workforce where it's the complete opposite. Right. And I've argued that against other black people. Like, no, I went to a PWI because it would help me on my resume. And in the world today, it doesn't matter as much. It just, it just doesn't. And the education isn't necessarily lesser or you're going to, the idea that it's, it's lower standard, like that's just not true. And I wish we spent more time highlighting that. And I will say the NBA has done a great job with trying to push that uh, narrative in sports in some leagues, it is doing a better job, but in a lot of others, they still are far behind. But I do hope that we begin to focus more on the now and going forward and less on the same regurgitated people from the past, because that's got us nowhere and we need to do better. I agree. Speaking of things regurgitated from the past, we have officially been told and announced that the color purple is being remade. They are adapting the Broadway musical um, into a feature film musical. Um, Fantasia is going to reprise her role as Celie because she played Celie on Broadway. Um, and then they've got a host of other people. Um, I should have pulled up the casting. Her is going to be in it. There, this a uh, great casting. It Taraji is. P Henson playing um, Sugar Avery, which was a really interesting, but I think really good casting. Um, and so while I feel like the film is casted well, I'm sure it's going to do great numbers. Um, it's going to do really, really well. I just want to know why this needs to be remade. Why does this story need to be retold um, over again? Like, I know that the musical isn't as heavy as the original movie was, but do we really need to tell this story again? I know I'm not alone in saying that I'm tired of seeing Black trauma. I'm tired of seeing Black pain. There are so many other stories that we can be included in. There are so many other stories that we have to tell that this does not, to me, does not need to be something you know, that needs to be told again. I don't understand it. I mean, I will probably watch it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. But I'm not like super ex- Like I, when I first saw Black Panther getting ready to come out, I cannot tell you how excited I was to see that movie. Like, like it was just like, I can't, I can't wait. I'm like goosebumps. And I think the weekend it came out, (laughs) that is when my ex came to see me from overseas. And we went to New York that weekend for, I think, like a day. We went to this bar. And so it was me and him and then my cousin Rob and his husband. Uh, We go to this bar unknowingly that... There were, it was like an after party for people who had just gone to go see mm. Black Panther. And so we walk in with our white counterparts and it's like, people have on outfits. Mm. Like it is super black, blackity <laughs> black. 
black black. And it was probably the most uncomfortable I had ever been being seen with him. Um, but I had already seen the movie, so it's just like, oh, I'm proud. I am. I love being black. It, but it was so awkward. And there were people looking. It's just like, did you not know what was going on in here tonight? And I'm like, no, I, I didn't know that this was happening. But I don't have that feeling of excitement for this movie, like at all. Um, so I think I've been clear on here about more so Tyler Perry than Oprah. I haven't talked much about Oprah. Um, but for me, in a lot of ways, they're one in the same. Um, they maximized generational wealth off of black pain and trauma and black stereotypes and sure they've given back, but even the way that Tyler Perry let his actors be on screen sometimes with the wigs that they be wearing, it just, it's just frustrating and disappointing. And so for me, I, I have no, I didn't, I saw, I did come, I saw the original color purple, maybe two years ago. I happened to watch it on TV, could have done without it. Uh, but Oprah said of the new, uh, the color purple, it, or of the color purple, I'm sorry. It has been a vehicle for magic and purpose in my life. I don't even know what that means. Um, I don't know anybody who's ever been associated with it whose life didn't get enhanced. Um, my life was no better <laughs> at all. Like, I, I don't she, know. She means people who worked on the project from the movie to the Broadway production of it, not just people who watch it. Well, that's not very clear to me. But in that case, sure. And why wouldn't their life get enhanced by playing those characters? Like, I'm sure white people would love to see people in chains all the time. Like, that's going to get play. It's going to get acknowledged. Because that's the racism that's embedded in this country. So when you are that wealthy and that powerful, there's no reason on God's green earth that you need to remake this kind of movie with this kind of visualization of black people in 2022. Like you are too creative of a person to rehash this same tired storyline over and over again so that you can line your pockets. Like I personally will have nothing to do with this movie and I don't watch anything like this in general. I never watch Django. I don't watch the closest thing I think I watch to it is life and life's hilarious. So I guess that's the, the hill I'll die on. But even that I don't put in the same category per se, but there is a racism, obviously aspect of the movie, but I just don't do it. There's no point in reliving those images and that imagery. Uh, I don't need to see a, a movie on Emmett Till and the woman was still walking free today. Like, I don't need to see these, the, the assassination of Black people. I watched, what was the movie we watched? Um, that was really, really good. But Lakeith Stanfield, and he had to, like, get... Oh, um... Uh, oh, crap. It's the Fred Hampton movie. Right. What was it called? Um, but why she finds it, like, I can see that once and be impacted by it. And that, even that, I'll give a slight pass. Because it was a story that you don't hear often. You never it, hear about Fred it's, Hampton. It was a true story, not some fantasy. And it was a story that wasn't 
isn't told. So I won't even put that really in that category, although it's hard to it was hard to watch then. It'd be hard to just in a black society. Um great soundtrack as well. Mm, yes. But those stories are tough. One night in Miami, we talked about it at the beginning of our pod, like speaking about the success of black people in that era, I can kind of live with if it's a different story. I don't need to hear the same stories I've heard all my life, many of which are factually untrue. Uh, so I, I hope that as more and more creators infiltrate the industry, um, Virgil was one that unfortunately we lost. We talked about him last episode, but as more Virgils and yays and these up and coming people, Anthony Anderson and Blackish and all that they've done. Marcy Martin, um, the young girl from that show, mm -hmm. she because she has a production company, right. um, has spoken a lot about not playing those kinds of roles, not wanting to make those kinds of movies because why? Right. Which I think, I mean, for her to be so young, I think that's super important because people like her, Issa Rae, um, the young lady who's got the Abbott Elementary show that's on ABC. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, I heard this so funny. Um, but people like that, those are the people who are going to be telling our stories. And I'm great with it being in the hands of people who don't want to keep telling and selling Black trauma. But I think that speaks to the future month and that it's the people that are coming from the future. The people that keep making those same played out movies are from that era. They got rich off of that. The new generation of people, I don't see constantly making those movies. Um, I do wish though, and I can't even say that because Insecure had a good balance. Like Easton Lawrence was broke, but they came up and then um, Kelly and everyone, Tiffany and Autumn, they had decent money and uh, accumulated more wealth. Uh, I am interested, and I haven't seen the new Fresh Prince remake. I've heard good things about that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the perspective Taxi is really different. Uh, so I think we're getting there. But this old school way of thinking in life, like, I ain't with it. We watched um, the Western joint that was um, good with Oh, yeah, The Harder They Fall. That we was finally so watched that. good. We did. We finally watched that. And... Like, I like Western movies. Tombstone is literally one of my favorite movies, hands down, like top five. Um, but unfortunately, it's not talked about enough how many Black people were actually cowboys. Like, they were in the Wild West, and that's not really something that you see frequently in Western movies. So to see a movie where it was basically all black it was it was all black people they were like no white people. except when they robbed the bank. except when they robbed the white bank in literally the white town um it was a great movie i really enjoyed it they even left the plot open if they wanted to make a sequel they did. um i don't know if they're going to i haven't seen that in the works anywhere but stories like that that take us to a different time where black people know things were not perfect and yes, there was still an element of racism um, in the movie, but it's being told from a different perspective. These were all pretty much well-to-do people um, living in a Black town. Like, they were Black cowboys. The one guy was a Black marshal. Like, there are so many other ways to tell our stories from different perspectives. Because it was, yes, life sucked, but there were so many success stories and people who flourished despite what was going on for black folks at that time. Yeah. 
Um, so no, I, I think we will see more of that going forward. And currently we have a situation in sports. We talked about what the NBA has done. Uh, conversely, the NFL has been the NFL. They've been, they've been stuck in place in many ways and gone backwards and others. So coming into this season, as it stands, there were, I believe seven openings, I want to say. Um, that became available and currently none have been filled by a black head coach, uh, none by even a minority coach. Like sometimes they'll get away with Ron Rivera or some other minority, but it hasn't even been a person of color that has been hired. Uh, every excuse that they can give from not calling plays to not having head coaching experience, none of which have been relevant as constantly successful black coordinators have been passed over for lesser than coordinators or non-coaches. Doug Peterson just got a job in Jacksonville, and he was awful in Philly. Um, so it's been a mess. Roger Goodell just sent a memo out scolding the owners for things not being up to standard or whatever word he worded it. But that only came after Brian Flores. Um, the great Brian Flores has... In essence, committed career suicide yeah. by while he's been interviewing for jobs, he decided to sue the league. And not only does he say that the hiring practices have been racist, inciting statistics that are irrefutable, but they have also given jobs to black coaches when the rare occasion that they get them are in less desirable positions where they are set up to fail and in many cases have been incentivized to fail only to have once that process has run its course to fire that black coach and hire a white coach once the team is now in a better position to be successful. Um, the hard part in this is it's a private organization, the NFL, and these are owners that own their businesses, and it's hard to tell them who they think would be the best coach for the job definitively to find it to be racist. So the statistics are there. It's it's atrocious in a league that's 70% black, that one out of 32 coaches is black. Like, it's obvious what's happening. I think the lawsuit is hard to prove, but the fact he was, excuse me, willing to do it, to me, deserves all the credit in the world. And unfortunately, the support is minimal because everyone else doesn't want to commit career suicide. Um, so we're here and it'll have to go through court, which will be very expensive. And you got 32 billionaires. That's a lot of money with a lot of lawyers for a guy that was a head coach for two years. I don't know if financially he'll be able to ride this out without the support of others, which I'll get to in a minute. But I did want to kind of give the background and then give you an opportunity to talk about it. I mean... I think I've spoken on the show, on the podcast, about how I feel about the NFL. For me personally, I wouldn't watch a football game ever if it weren't for you. Um, I used to watch football avidly. I was in multiple fantasy football leagues. When Courtney was little, she would tell you Sundays are for football, right up until the whole Kaepernick situation. And the way that that played out, the way that they treated him, the way he was completely ostracized, ostracized from the league, everything about it disgusted me. And then after doing a little research and looking more into the NFL, I was completely turned off. I couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped watching. 
um, and didn't start watching again until we started dating. Um, but quite frankly, I'd be completely fine if I never watched another football game ever again because of, again, this is another thing that, like you said, 70% of the NFL is, oh, the NFL, the players yeah. are black. But then as soon as you get off of the field and you look at the sideline, you go look in the front office, you look at ownership, you look at the GMs, there's no black faces. Um, Real quick. So the issue, part of the big issue is there's actually a good amount. And like the, there's been a ton of progress in coordinators and like the Washington commanders now has, has a black gym. So there are some black gyms. Yeah, there's not, but there's not a lot. Yeah, considering yeah. Not in proportion to the players. Yeah, in proportion to the players. And the fact that constantly the NFL, the entire, you know, organization shows me that they don't care about black people besides the people that are on the field. Um, they displayed it beautifully um, with the whole Kaepernick situation. The way that everyone just shunned Kaepernick and he's well, obviously he's never going to play football again, but what he was trying to stand up for, just the way that they carried the situation, I see it. It's going to happen again with, unfortunately, Brian Flores. But the fact of the matter is this time... It's going to be worse, I think, because there are numbers, there are statistics, like you say, that support his lawsuit. Like, we all can see it plain and clear with our own eyes, the lack of diversity um, that is are in these positions and how Black coaches get treated versus white coaches. Like, the fact that it's, if you watch any um, sports pundit show and it's like oh well if he was a black coach he'd be gone like that's a common you know saying like I don't even understand what the argument is here but like you said there are 32 owners with pockets as deep as the ocean um, against this one man and unfortunately he's going to be a martyr for the cause and I would love to see more black coaches, more black players, more people, black people who are involved in the league get behind him. <sighs> Unfortunately, they're probably not going to the same way they didn't get behind cat. And the disappointment really becomes like, you can only be so mad at the entire situation, but the people who are actually involved in the situation who could make change happen are not going to do enough in support of this man to get anything viable off the ground. So it's like, you know, hats off to Brian Flores. I hope he wins something out of this. I hope he gets something out of this. Um, and I'm not saying he should have just kept his mouth closed, but ultimately, like, he's going to lose. Like I said, he's never going to coach in the NFL again, not a head coaching position. Um, he's going to lose that opportunity potentially for no real compensation. So my issue with all of this is similar to what we talked about in the last topic is 
going about what's happened in the past, it's not getting us anywhere. They implemented the Rooney rule. They've amended the Rooney rule like three times to the point that they will literally, literally give you a third round draft pick for hiring a minority. And we still aren't getting people hired. So talking about it ain't going to get it done. Incentivizing hasn't got it done. It's a money issue. And so for me, Amazon has um, it, it just increased their pricing. Yeah. And the reason they increased their pricing is because they're going to be broadcasting NFL games. If Amazon said, you know what, we're not going to broadcast the NFL until you fix your hiring practices. If Fox, CBS, NBC, um, ABC, I think every channel has a, a sport a football game on at some point during the week. That to me is the fastest change. But that, but that's like I said, like all these companies that claim to support black people that want to see black people advance in whatever field, put your money where your mouth is. I agree. And they don't. And they, they don't and they won't. Um, I did see, and this might, we might be fortunate, we as black people might be fortunate enough to get included in Washington has some, excuse me, issues with sexual harassment. Hmm. And they've been on Capitol Hill um, campaigning for the release of the report that got John Gruden fired. And there's been more and more allegations against Daniel Snyder that now politicians are starting to question the antitrust uh, relationship of the NFL and their ability to really avoid taxes and tax benefits and everything like that. So I believe if that has any movement, we might can slip racism somewhere in there aside that lawsuit and discrimination against women in sexual um, unhealthy workplaces. But unless the black people fix the problem by the players boycotting um, or the fans not watching, it's not going to change anything. And for me, it's hard to tell. And Hugh Jackson said this when they were can, uh, talking about, well, why did you take the bonuses? Or why didn't you say something? He's like, one, this job is one in 32 in the entire world. Like, it's also a high paying job. Like, I have a family to support and take care of. And there's a lot of NFL players that the average lifespan is two to three years. And even in that, the two to three years, that's assuming you're were drafted high enough to get guaranteed money. So I, I look at someone like Alfred Morris, who now has a landscaping business. He was great for Washington when RG3 got drafted, but he was a six round pick and never got that second big deal as a running back. So, yeah, he played four or five years in the NFL, but he never made significant money. So asking that person and he's a, a, a better example, he might have got sponsorships because he was big in this area but asking those people to sacrifice work is asking a lot and yes it would i believe help accomplish the goal and i don't think it would take that long but the onus shouldn't be on players and fans to fix the racism and the ownership and their hiring practices that to me becomes to a certain extent goodell's position even though he works for the owners he is the face of the league and so his face is associated with this racism and all of those sponsors that you see and all those ads and commercials we see, they're also a part of this problem. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is where it starts. I also suggested this on one of the sports shows I do. I think ownership should be, this should have term limits. You shouldn't be able to just pass 
ownership down from one generation to the next and continue a legacy of racist practices. I believe after, say, 10 years or 15 years, just like the stadium naming rights, it should be up for auction. And you can have the opportunity to rebid for your team. But if someone outbids you, you get the, the result of that purchase, but someone else gets in. I think that is a way to diversify the ownership. And if you don't like the rules, then get out of ownership. The NFL can mandate that if they really want to see the change. Um, but it's really been frustrating. Uh, and it's it's something that as a fan, I've been torn because no, I don't want to support that league. But I also do want to support the players that are uh, that are allowed to live a lifestyle where they can be impactful in their communities. Because if they don't have jobs, then they can't give back to the low-income areas that they come from. They can't build the basketball courts in those neighborhoods. They can't build the rec centers. They can't provide the drive, the back, the backpack drives every school year because they don't have the resources to do it. Uh, so it's tough. Uh, I wish there was another, I believe there is another way, but that will require much bigger people who we've talked about all show don't care about black people to do something to help black people. And I just don't know that we ever get there. No arguments for me. Um, so, and a more positive news in relation to black history and black future Rihanna and ASAP Rocky are welcoming a baby. It's so cute. She posted the picture of her little bump. And I mean, Rihanna is a beautiful person in general already, but she's going to have that mommy glow soon. And it's just going to be, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she's going to do like maternity, maternity pictures. I'm sure. I hope I like I pray that she does because the pictures are gonna be bomb. Like I don't care. She could just stand there. Like they're just gonna be amazing pictures. Um, I love her and ASAP Rocky together. Like when they first got together, I was like, well, that's just different. But like the way he, the way he talks about her in interviews and just it's adorable. I love black love. Like it's it's just this baby is just about to be everything. Like I'm talking about it. Like I know it. But it is. This is <laughs> like I be... know it. <laughs> Got it. Oh, well, that's what you call him. It, him or her. It. Okay. It has no gender yet. <laughs> Knock yourself out. You're good. Um, I do. I'm super excited. I can't see what it look. Can't wait to see what it's gonna look like. Like, I love ASAP's complexion he's and dark. like his skin tone and mm -hmm. just like he's got beautiful skin. Let's just start there. But again, Rihanna is just, even if it only has her DNA, <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful baby. Like, I can see the bait. I can see the hairs and everything just already. It's just going to be a beautiful baby. Um, I don't think I've been this excited about a celebrity baby since Beyonce first announced blue, she was having Blue Ivy. Mm. Like, I was super excited for that. Like, like again, like, I know these people. Um I just think it's going to be so cute, super cute, just so excited, so happy for her. It's funny that now this is one of the first time. no, this is the first time that the rumor turned out to be true, because she's been rumored to be pregnant at least a lot of once a year ever since she first got around. Um, so it's funny that this time it's finally true. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot on this. Uh, I'm happy for them. Uh, I will say... And Black History Month, Black Future Month. We as a people got to be just a little better about some things. I was really surprised 
at how much shade I've been saying towards ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. And for some reason, everyone thinks like she's significantly better than him. So like she got pregnant by him. Like Mm. he's not. He ain't it. Because it's not, I guess, Drake or Chris Brown or a billionaire. Because I think she was dating him at one time. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, I thought that was gonna last, but it didn't. Yeah, he was cute. But I've seen a, a way more than I would have thought of that. Like, really, he lucked up. He got her, um, and that really to me has been disappointing because I'm not the biggest fan of his music, but he seems like, and to your point, when I've heard him speak about her and them. Like super supportive. I always seen them together and he will wear whatever I think she suggests he wears because that Met Gala outfit was something. I don't uh, think she came up with their outfits. Well, she should have said something because that I, was bad. I think the thing about it was the, what they walked the red carpet in. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the full outfit. If you saw them before I know. and you saw them after, like it looked you. real fly. Um I don't really like his fashion personally, but I love his fashion. But they like their fashion. They do. Um so I, I'm I'm ultimately I'm really excited for them. Uh, I'm happy for her to have found this aspect of life. This is something that no money can buy. Facts. Um and obviously we know her history. Uh, of relationships, the people she has been associated with haven't always been the best um, for a variety of different reasons, but they seem to have met and meshed well. So I do hope that this strengthens their relationship. Having children is tough, but uh, I'm excited to see kind of what comes of it and hope for the best. I, I do too. Like I said, I'm super excited. I haven't seen a whole lot of that aspect of people's commentary. You don't be on Twitter. I don't be on Twitter. I have it. I have it. And I think mostly I just retweet J. Cole stuff or Dreamville stuff. Well, <laughs> and then shoe stuff. I see the shoe stuff that I get from, I think, Soul Society and Soul Links or something like it's that. Fine. We got you. Yeah. But I don't be on Twitter like that. I'm, I'm uh, going to do better. Uh, one piece of this before we move on. Yeah. Um, of controversy also was Drake. Pre- presumably and quickly unfollowed both of them. And on one hand, I'm like, why do people that know that exist? <laughs> like, I'm sure the thought was there and somebody went and checked and Oh, he unfollowed both of them. Um, but I get it. Like I get it, but I don't like, I haven't been in that situation. I haven't had an ex. I really, I guess, loved, I, I guess you would say they did move on to be someone with someone else and kind of this is like a nail in that coffin like as a man i think most men feel like i know she left or we're not together but i can always kind of get back if you if you're that guy yeah this kind of kills a lot of that like <laughs> it was one thing to see them walking around happy for years going to all these fashion shows and things like that doing all the couple but stuff having a baby and getting married typically kind of ends any idea of that. Not that Drake even necessarily wanted that, but given his actions, I think he felt a way. But why? I don't know how they ended or why they ended. I don't think Drake is one that should feel a way because I've heard of Drake in relationships and he's pretty awful. 
And then that's the thing, like, they were often, like, I don't even feel like they were ever really a serious relationship. Like, they were, like, off and on. You'd spot them together, and you'd spot them out with different people. Um, and then this was all, what is it, like, five, six years Long time ago? ago? It's, like, forever ago. Drake done had a kid. He's been involved with a bunch of different people. Drake ain't thinking about them. I don't think he probably... He thought enough to unfollow He probably didn't follow them to begin with. Originally. So you think... Like, I think maybe he had been unfollowed them and no one had cared to check or think or look. And but why then, would he unfollow them if he didn't care? How many people does Drake follow? I have no idea. But I'm sure he was following Rihanna at some point. And then he wasn't. And there's no reason for him to unfollow ASAP. What did ASAP do then? I mean, him and ASAP ain't never been cool. Oh no, they did a couple songs together. Right. Like again, like I don't think it's that serious. I think people are overblowing the situation. Mm. And Drake probably only follows like 10 people to begin with. I doubt that. He probably follows a bunch of chicks. What is his name? Champagne Poppy? Still? Yeah, yeah. something like that. There's Blue Check. Yeah. He follows 2,600 oh, he... <laughs> people. <laughs> he, yeah, he does follow quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's stupid. Mm. No one cares. I don't even think he cares. Okay. No, nah, he don't follow bad girl Riri. Mm-mm. Whatever. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but and more. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. Just messy. Messy news. Messy celebrity news. Uh, the Yay and Kim saga has taken a drastic, drastic turn and just, for the worst. Before we jump into this, because I feel like the last six or seven, like I feel like every episode of this podcast since like Donda was a rumored thing to happen, mm-hmm. we've talked about Kanye and we've talked about Kanye and Kim. Like we we are not a Kanye and Kim platform We're not. like i love kanye's music um all of his music and all of its entirety do i really care that much about him no do i care about kim kardashian no but they are like gold for podcast <laughs> Like they, like the ridiculousness that's going on in their relationship, and like the demise of their relationship, it's 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 the stuff that podcast, you know, creators dream of because they just keep giving it. I would love to see the revenue of places like Shade Room (laughs) and TMZ since last summer, since they announced their divorce. divorce. Yeah, I would love to see what their money. Revenue has generated, or just general, or even just the clicks on the articles. Yeah, like I just, I just like to see those numbers because I'm sure it's insane. Um, and so this topic is a little different for me, uh, because I'm a parent, and children are supposed to be sacred. Um, children are supposed to. They're not. No, I, I'm just. I'm just listening because I want to see where you're going with this based on things that you said previously to me. So I'm, I'm just listening. Okay. Um, like children are supposed to be protected by their parents. And being an adult and in a relationship can be really, really hard. 
I've said on this platform and others, I never desired to date or be with someone with a kid if the other person was in the picture. Because I just understand that that dynamic is really tough. Um, I've said on this platform as well, I would, I think our divorce should be, no, we're not getting divorced. Let me clear that up. Um, if we were to go through a divorce, I think it would be very difficult because another man would then be impacting how my sons and my daughter is raised. And the way in which I may not agree with things because of my faith or the way I live my life, I don't want that. Like, that's my child. Um, and so to have someone else dictating how they would be raised would be a lot to deal with, especially if they show up to my house and they're doing things that I know I didn't teach them or saying <laughs> things I didn't teach them. Like, that's why I've had issues with a friend of ours invited us out and they were like, well, can't you just get a babysitter? Well, I don't want my kids with a lot of people. <laughs> uh, that is something that I am typically pretty protective of in my life. Like I still, outside of the initial post we put up, I haven't put a picture up of Kobe on any of my social media yet. And yeah, if you want to see pictures of the baby, you got to come to my my social media. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why I haven't, but I know I haven't. And it's been a conscious effort to not do so. Um, so do I need to stop posting pictures? No, no, no. Like, if you want, you can. But I just, in the world we live in, I just feel like kids are so inundated. And so, like, our daughter does not have a cell phone. Mm -mm. Our daughter is on no social media. She doesn't have her own laptop. She doesn't have a tablet. She doesn't have any of that. Because even when she had a certain access to stuff, stuff started popping up and happening that I didn't like. And had we been separate and I asked you to fix that and then he was like, no, I would have felt the way. Yeah. And so we talked, I think we talked about it on here, the birthday party. Yeah, we could have two separate birthday parties, but if my kid wants me at her birthday party or his birthday party... I expect to be at his or her birthday party. I don't care where it is. Party. I don't care who you got there. I don't care if you're there or not. Like, I should be able to celebrate with my child in that way. Now, I can't tell you how it's run because it's at your location, but I should be able to get there. And I definitely shouldn't have to go through security to celebrate a birthday with my child. And so what we've seen from Ye and Kim is it's really sick. The way in which both parties are manipulating the media. But I think it's necessary for me more so from Ye's point because the media has painted him in a certain way for a long time. And so I believe his response in this is now we both can play media games because I also have an arsenal of media that I can use to disseminate. And again, if you're on Twitter, there's a ton of Ye fan pages. And there's this thing, Ye actually took a picture of it of, and I'll try and put it up, of Ye's corrected headlines. And basically, it's a bunch of oh, headlines yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> that people put out, and then this page is like correcting them to put the real, or I would say Ye's perspective of what actually happened. And in a lot of cases, I think a more accurate explanation of what is being talked about in the article versus the catchy clickbait that views him in a certain way. And so most recently they're dealing with an eight-year-old on TikTok. And according to TikTok's terms and agreements, eight-year-olds shouldn't be on there. There's a, apparently there's a, just like there's YouTube kids I didn't know existed for a while. 
there's a TikTok for kids that I also didn't know existed, which is for 13 and under. The issue is it's a Kim and, and now North. North TikTok that allows her access to all content. And Yay has said, I don't want that. And Kim has basically said, kick rocks. Ye said he had the homecoming game for his basketball team this weekend, wanted the kids to come. They've been a part of a lot of things, Sunday service and others. Apparently, Kim said no, and based on the pictures, they weren't there. So I don't really know what's right or wrong, especially when you're going through a divorce because custody terms and agreements haven't been solidified, but one parent is making decisions as if things are solidified. And so I don't know really, I think I have an idea where you fall, but I really think this part of the drama, I wish wasn't being said, but I don't know if Ye feels he has a recourse other than this, because going to social media got him the address to the birthday party. And I think this is his way of saying, y'all are seeing me a certain way, but I've been very clear on how I feel about my kids. And they're trying to keep me from my kids. And when they do that, I'm going to document it for the world to know so that when we go to court, there's proof in history of her making these decisions that kept me from my kids. So I think kind of when I think it was us, we talked about when the woman got raped uh, on the train in New York and people were Mm -hmm. saying, y'all need to do something. Y'all need to do something. Just videoing is useless. My stance was without the video, George Floyd's killers are still walking the street. Without video, a bunch of the cops that finally have gone away never go away. So I think evidence and putting stuff on the internet does have a value when when you're trying to do things the right way or the quiet way, you're not getting any results. That's my two cents. Mm, I don't like that. Like if him and Con- if Kanye and Kim were still together and Kanye said, no, she can't have TikTok. She would not have a TikTok. Um, I don't care what excuse or whatever reason you want to put over top of the fact that Kim said it's okay for her to have a TikTok, that it's both of their TikTok and it's supervised. Like like you said earlier, Courtney was on YouTube. She used to use YouTube all the time. We were supervising, but they're little things in the algorithm that will you can watch everything that's suggested and as you're watching the things that are suggested oh well you like this video this video with this tag that's completely inappropriate for kids is going to show up in your suggested list and your kids is going to watch it and boom you're exposed to something that you don't want them to be exposed to personally if i were kim i would want my kids off of social media for as long as possible one like, we, we know why Kim is famous. We know the things that people say about Kim. Like, there's no filter in the world that's going to stop them from seeing and finding out all these things. Um, like, she's even said, like, I think in the last year or so, like, people have asked, like, well, what do, you, what do your kids think you're famous for? Like, why do your kids, you know, know, what do they, your kids know about you? And she completely grazed over the sex tape and, all the other stuff that people say about her. Like, I get it as a mom. I would too. 
but I would also just eliminate the, the I guess, the fear by not having my kids on social media. One, until I'm able to really explain and talk to them about the dangers of social media. Like, North is eight. She said, Kim said that it's a creative outlet for her. And why would I take that from her during the process of a difficult divorce? Well, y'all got all the money in the world. <laughs> you can't figure out Another a different way. creative outlet for her. Like, I think that's completely asinine. It's bullcrap. And this is just something, another thing to poke at Kanye. I do not like how he's putting everything out on the socials. But at the same time, I understand why he's putting everything out on the socials because he's not going to let them control his narrative. If he just sat back and let all this stuff keep happening, like people are saying that he's manipulating the press to feel a way about her. Like people feel a way about you because they feel a way about you. Not everybody agrees with this whole Pete Davidson move. Like you're talking about going from a toxic relationship with Kanye. Like Pete Davidson is not an angel by no means. I think he's clean right, right now. Um, so that is what it is. But a simple Google search or whatever device your kid is using to make these TikTok videos there's his rap sheet right there. He was also recently on the couch with Machine Gun Kelly talking about their penis size and underwear. Yeah, and that was weird to me. Like, that was really weird. I don't know what that was about. I don't know why that needed to go on social medias, but it did. Whatever. Um, as a parent, like, I guess the po most politically correct way to say it is you're not going to play with my kids. I don't care if we're together or we're not together. You know, if you've remarried, you dating six people. Like, I don't care. My kids are my kids are my kids. What your new partner has to say about my kids, I don't care about. What your family has to say about my kids, I also don't care about. Our kids are being raised by us, whether we're together or not. And if I have an issue with something, the most simple way is one for us to have a conversation. And until we can have a conversation in which we come to some sort of agreement, then the issue at hand is dead. Like if I say I don't like TikTok and you cool with TikTok, there's no TikTok until we can agree on the best way to move forward. I don't think that's unreasonable in any way, shape, or form. I think when women keep their kids from the father, I think it's petty. I don't care if you're afraid about what he's saying to the kids or anything like that, then stay with them. Like, it's uncomfortable, fine. Wait and figure out something that works for everybody. But keeping your kids away from their father, that's never the way to go. Like, Again, like I don't I wish this wasn't all playing out on social media because it's all very messy. Eventually the kids are gonna see it. It's letting people form opinions about you, Kanye and Kim, that you don't want people to form. And unfortunately, like I don't I haven't really agreed with a lot of Kim a lot of what Kim's decisions have been. Um as a mom, though, like as a person, like you are getting divorced, you do what you want to do, boo. Like 
live your life. But as a parent, like there have been a lot of things that irk me. Um, but I also am irked by Kanye's constant barrage of information on social media. I think there's a different way to document it. Um, you know, screenshots of pictures, receipts, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just want it to all go away. Yeah. I do. I want it to all go away. I want Kanye to go back to just making music and being his, you know, entertaining genius self and, you know, Kim just being Kim in whatever capacity she's going to be. I agree. Uh, and to kind of wrap it, I think the part that too often is understated is this can go really bad. For sure. Um, I don't think Ye would ever cause harm to Kim or anyone like that. I know he had the Pete Davidson rap lyric, but we have seen a bunch of times when, and I'll, I'll use this perspective because I see this way more and I'm not saying it's only one way, but when women play with men about their kids, it can go real, real left, really, really fast. And Ye says a lot of things, but he's been very, very clear. And consistent. And consistent. That's not the area to play. I, I think he's moved off the come back to me, Kimberly. I think he's over that. No, yeah, that's dead. But this other side is not. He, he's he's not going to do it. And he keeps bringing up his 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 past and how that impacted him. And he spoke of how highly he thinks about his dad, but he also talks about being taken from his dad and what that did. And so this ain't going away. And so I hope again to your point, the social media aspect of it, as podcasters, it's kind of great. Yeah. But as human beings, like all right, like. You got an album coming. Yeah, I want to I want to see you in the studio. I, I want to see the basketball things you're doing. I want to see the homeless stuff you're doing. Kim, you got your new little skims and whatever, your, the lawyer part that, of your life. Show us that. This part, we all dragging the kids into it. I understand his point, but I don't like it. And I hope that they can come to some kind of recollection of it. But the fact that they're arguing about TikTok, kind of tells me where they are as a couple. Because <laughs> yeah. you can't agree on TikTok. Yeah, they are really far. Away. With, let's with talk all the assets and stuff they got. Right, and let's not, custody? Like, yeah. Custody? Like, this is going to drag on for like another year. So, that's, it's been a lot for us to kind of wrap our head around and feel, but there was another incident that was kind of hard to wrap our head around. Um, to a certain extent, and we watched it live. I did. I um, did watch it live. She, you watched it live. I was listening to it, but <laughs> I wasn't watching it. And I heard stuff happening. I was like, oh, this is just like sound effects. Like, this isn't a thing. And uh, let me preface it like this. The great Mike, Pastor Mike Todd, who I am a huge supporter of. I'll let you speak for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um who's done phenomenal things for the, the city of Tulsa, for the state of Oklahoma, for the congregation that he's had, for the local businesses during the pandemic. Because what I don't like is that, and I saw Joel Osteen go through this. I see T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar go through this all the time. When they make a big purchase or when something happens that's potentially negative, 
boom, tons of media presence, tons of media pressure. Joel didn't open a church. Creflo just wants your money, blah, 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 all this different stuff. But when they go years and years and years on giving back to the community and paying Mike Todd and pay like $5 million in medical bills and all this other stuff they do, none of that gets highlighted. When they're paying people's rent and buying people cars, you don't care about how much money they got. But if they buy a car for themselves, now it's an issue. It's a big deal. When they buy all the shoes from a local shoe store, buy up their entire inventory during a pandemic and then give the shoes away to the local community, that takes money. For those of you who know what reselling shoes costs, that's a ton of money. But nobody talks about that. But being transparent and being honest, the it's a couple Sundays ago, Mike Todd decided to... And he, I'll, I'll, I'm going to phrase it the way I believe. He spit on his hand yes. and then rubbed it on his brother Yes, to play out illustrate. The, illustrate what Jesus did. And it is, for lack of a better term, a graphic imagery um, to actually see it happen. And I still haven't actually gone back and watched it happen because <laughs> I don't, similar to the slave stuff, I don't need to see it. I have a good enough understanding of what that looked like. And I'm good there. And he's done illustrations since then. He had one where he's barefoot. I thought it was really good. Um, but naturally, well, the internet lost it. Uh, so a bunch of people who have never heard, didn't watch the whole sermon for context, were outraged because Mike Todd spit on a man. And technically, sure. But there's way more to it than just that. But I did feel it was necessary for us to talk about it. As people, I've shared and continue to share lots of his messages and posts. I did most of his devotion. I did not finish it for the fast for the start of the month. So I am a Mike Todd supporter wholeheartedly. I don't want that to be confused or manipulated at all. But I will say, I think he could have got his point across <laughs> another way. Over to you. Oh, man. Like, I love Mike Todd. I love Transformation Church. If we ever go to Oklahoma, like, I would love to go and sit there and be a part of that congregation in person. Um, I first found out about Mike Todd when you bought us the Relationship Goals book. Really? That was the first time you heard him? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd seen clips of him yeah. on Instagram, but I didn't really, really start following him until after we read the book. Gotcha. Um, and... I don't think there's not very many of his messages in the last two years that I haven't listened to in whole or in some part. Um, I was watching <laughs> the service. Uh, like I was like looking and I'm like, okay, this is uh, getting real graphic. And I didn't know what he was going to do with the spit in his hand. And then when, oh, because this is making me almost gag. You know? <laughs> I, I'm not even going to front. It was disgusting. Like, because it was, mm, I don't have to go into details. Y'all, if you want to see it, the message is still up on YouTube. You go watch it. It's it's nasty. Um, but obviously on YouTube, when you're watching a YouTube live, the comment section is on. And the comment section was on fire <laughs> after that happened. And not just as, <laughs> not just in the initial act of it, but the fact that Brent and that's his, this is his name, Brent Todd, um, stood there with the saliva on, on his face. face for like five minutes after. Some people were just like, 
man, somebody get that man a towel so he can wipe his face, which he eventually did. But people got so distracted from that portion of the message that they missed the rest of the message. And then, of course, the sensationalism that is now today's media, they took that one clip. And like I said, completely disgusting. It was real nasty. But they took that one clip. And that one clip is all anybody saw of a message that was really beautiful and I think needed in today's society. And that's unfortunate. Mike taught, and then the, the way that people talked about him, like he was a TikTok pastor, he's not a real pastor. Of course, people brought up his former porn addiction. And there were so many things negative spoken about this man. The And again, I watch him almost every Sunday. When we're finished, I'll probably turn on Sunday's message and listen to that. Um, the very next Sunday, like, he talked about it. He wasn't going to shy away he from he it. Stood, he stood He put firm. an apology out. He did. Um, which I will say, I think he missed the apology a bit. Because he started with when the spit hit the fan as like a joke. Yeah, I thought it was funny. But I don't think that was the time or the place for the joke yet. Like, it was too fresh. Like, I think that joke comes maybe in a sermon a couple weeks later. <clears throat> I could see why people felt the apology wasn't sincere or wasn't honest because you made a joke of it to start. And I think that is his personality, but I think that was a miss. Um, so I will say that because even when I heard it, I was like, eh. I get where you're going from. I get the approach you're trying to take. I just don't know that it was appropriate at that time. Go ahead. I understand why he did the apology, but for me, the apology was completely unnecessary. Um, I just think it was. It, we disagree, but that's fine. Whatevs. Um, people didn't go back and listen to the message. People don't know what the imagery was that he was portraying in the message. Like, and then, and then I think the part that annoyed me the most is that people were talking about him as though he's not an incredible teaching pastor. For me, someone who was newer in my walk with God, like pastors like him are, I think, super important. One, in this new wave of Christians who are getting back into going to church, who are getting back into like living for God, the way that he teaches, he breaks down the word. He gives, again, he gives illustrations. He makes it edible and relatable to your everyday life. And if you ever take a chance to listen, if you are a listener, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then he's very, very, I think, honest and open about how his life has been changed by his faith. And there's a genuineness in that that you don't often see from older pastors. Not because they're not genuine. It's just they're not as relatable to younger people as the new wave of pastors are sometimes. And for people to basically say that he is not a real pastor, he doesn't know how to teach the Bible, all of these, all the different things that I saw on social media, people saying about him, completely off base, 
completely wrong. And one, you obviously have never listened to this man speak for Christians who had a lot of negative things to say about Mike Todd. I definitely felt away because again, no, he's not your fire and brimstone kind of preacher. And he doesn't sound or look like what you think a preacher should look like. But again, in today's world and the generation that you're dealing with, you can't win over souls the same old way that you used to. If people can't relate to you, and I, I and it's not even that the people are relating to him on a earthly level. People relate to him because what he says, like you, it's a level of conviction from his words that just resonates with you, no matter where, what walk of life you're in. And they made it seem like the way that he was teaching the Bible was against the principles of the Bible. And I don't like that. Even for someone who's not like, super and, you know, intelligent wise when it comes to the Bible and teaching faith. Like that's not him at all. So I'm cool with Mike Todd. I'm going to continue to like Mike Todd. I'm going to continue to support Mike Todd and Transformation Church. Like, yeah. Uh, no, the, the end sentiment, I think I stand wholeheartedly in. Um, the criticism of the Mike Todd's is not new. Um, like I said, I mentioned a couple, whether it be back to Casey Price, um, Rod Parsley, Ron Carpenter. There's a bunch Stephen of Furtick, Stephen yeah. Furtick, all of Hillsong and Hillsong got some stuff going on uh, <laughs> right now. Um, but even in how that's being handled, I, I, I don't I fell away. Uh, so the the I've said this, I believe on here and I've said it a bunch of times. The the standard is higher when you are a public figure that walks with God. Like it just is when if Steph Curry or Russell Wilson do something like future, we're going to look at y'all a little different than we look at future um, because y'all are supposed to be of a certain way. Uh, so when you pro publicly profess Christ, there is an added level of pressure that comes with that. And I'm not saying it's fair, but that's just, that's the reality. That's the reality. Um, so Mike, uh, if you ever see this, we love you. We get it. I wasn't detested by it, but I think as people that support him, the apology also helps because you become also part of the, the shooting because you've posted a bunch of his clips. So you support that guy. So Which I do. And we do uh, unapologetically, but um, and we're not going to get into reach records, but they got another issue that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you have to say something. Even if you felt justified in what you did, people were negatively impacted, and you have a responsibility to speak to that offense that you made, that you caused, um, within reason, uh, obviously. So I was very glad to hear that he showed up the next Sunday. He didn't run from it; he stood right in front of it. He again kind of tried to make light of it in certain ways, um, in only ways that's possible for him. But um, ultimately. Look forward to him continuing to grow. And in this year of progression for us, they also will progress and continue to grow and do great things. So for sure, I'm excited for it. That church um, is on fire. I absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate y'all. Uh, I know we went a little long, but 
We had a lot to get to. Right, this um, is our first official pod back, so yeah. y'all just had to bear with us. We had a lot of talking to do. And at this point, like, this is kind of what we do. Um, <laughs> so get with it. Um, continue to like, share it, comment, uh, all of that. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe. The hit the notification so when this comes out Monday at noon, uh, you get that notification as well. And um, it's been a great, great episode. In life, things happen. You have the power to choose what you do. Make sure you choose wisely. And when all else fails, always bet on you the way we are betting on us. And if you've been blessed by us, go ahead and bless us. We're not afraid of the IRS, so you can go ahead and put us in the cash app (laughs) or any of those things down there because we do what the law says that we are supposed to do. And you guys have a great week, and we will see you next week. Take care.